Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Star Wars 7x7 episode 3,220. Yesterday we talked about some critiques we had about season 3 of The Mandalorian. Today we're going to talk about some kudos, basically. Things that we've talked a little bit about here and there over the course of the season, but we're going to wrap it all up in one nice neat bow and add a couple of things in there that we haven't yet talked about. Punch it! Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, I think most of these are going to be relatively agreed upon things that are worth giving kudos for in Season 3 of The Mandalorian. A couple of them may be subjective, I'll flag those ones for you. But one thing I think that, yeah, you can make arguments on, but I honestly think this one is wholly objective is the breakout performance of Katie O'Brien as Elia Kane in season three. She had a couple of just brief little cameo moments in the end of season two on Moff Gideon's Light Cruiser, but there was a palpable energy and menace from that character when we saw her in season two. And the fact that they brought her back for season three gave her a lot of screen time and turned her into somebody really dangerous and sly was just fantastic. Her presence is just as fulfilling of the promise that we saw from season two. And I'm so glad they included her. I hope she has a big role in season four, even though her patron, as it were, Moff Gideon is missing, presumed dead. But yeah, she was a breakout star from the season. For a second tip of the hat to the makers of The Mandalorian, the action sequences in season three got better and better until they got to episode eight, where they became a new level of spectacular. The sequence with the Mandalorians abandoning that cruiser, jumping out through the magnetic field and jetting down to where they were able to slide onto the ramps of the Gauntlet Starfighters and the Gauntlet Starfighters flying down, like the combination of that was just spectacular. And the flying fight between the Mandos and the Commandos just absolutely unreal. Sort of related to that is a third thing to give them props for, which is that the use of the volume has gotten more varied in season three in terms of the environments that they created. It seemed like they were kind of getting to a point where, you know, they had a, a lot of interiors that, you know, were very kind of straightforward and corridors, you know, just narrow streets in outdoor environments and that sort of thing. The variety that they were able to create with the volume this season was leaps and bounds beyond the types of environments that they were able to give us in previous seasons. Another fun thing, at least for some people, me, like I'm kind of like, ah, whatever <laughs> about this sort of thing, but I know a lot of people like the giant monster situation and we got that in large quantity in this season of The Mandalorian. I think possibly more than previous seasons. Of course, you know, we had the Mudhorn in season one, and then we had the Crate Dragon in season two, and then whatever that giant, you know, almost Sarlacc-y beast in the water on Trask was, that thing, right? 
So yeah, we got our fair share of beasts in season one and season two, but to get the <laughs> that dragon turtle thing that popped out of the water at the beginning of season three and the raptors and then one of them gnawing on one of those and then whatever that enormous creature was on Mandalore that destroyed that, that you know, wind riding ship with its tail. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that they got about as wild as they've ever gotten with the stuff in season three. For another thing, the danger inherent in the galaxy also became palpable. I mean, I'm thinking about the journey into the mines of Mandalore and the Alamites, I think those ones were called, and then that mech thing that grabbed the Mandalorian and just the thought of like being trapped, buried in the mines of Mandalore and having just something sucking the juices out of you while you're trapped in a cage. Like what a horrible way to go. And just nobody ever knowing that you were ever there and ever finding you again. That's some scary stuff. Also, you know, the droids going nuts in episode six. The pirates showing up in episodes one and episode five, you were once again reminded that this is a very dangerous galaxy and not many people are necessarily coming to help. The New Republic, even though they are you know, trying to <laughs> do what they can, like they are not available to help. So you really do get the idea that the Outer Rim is just kind of lawless and you hope for the best for all intents and purposes. Thankfully, it seems there are good people like Grief Karga who are trying to make their corner of the galaxy a better place. But otherwise, yeah, it is just a dangerous place to be. And speaking of episode six, Guns for Hire, I gotta say, this is one of the ones that's like really subjective, but I enjoyed that episode a lot. And the reason why, as I've talked about previously, I think is that like, I remember, you know, those old like Fantasy Island and Love Boat shows where they would have various celebrities coming on and guest starring roles or even Murder, She Wrote, right? Where, you know, you would wonder who the celebrity is and whether the celebrity is the one, you know, who did it on Murder, She Wrote or what was going to happen with them on the Love Butter Fantasy Island or even now Poker Face, right? The uh, Ryan Johnson, Natasha Leone series, which is hearkening back to that old way of doing things. The Guns for Hire episode with Jack Black and Lizzo and Christopher Lloyd felt very much like one of those kinds of episodes, and I really enjoyed the change of pace. And the final thing is the fact that they gave Bo-Katan a very complete and well-constructed story arc that lasted over the course of the season. I mean, we see her in the darkest place possible, utterly abandoned and hopeless, and then suddenly she's got hope that Mandalore is habitable, and then her hope is taken away as presumably if Moff Gideon comes and bombs her castle on Kahalavala. And so she ends up <laughs> hanging with the Mandalorian covert, which then welcomes her in. And then she's able to prove herself with them. And now she's about to unite Mandalorians, but then she runs into the buzzsaw of Moff Gideon and the trap that happens there. And then she's able to successfully fight back and win the day with her troops and the joined forces of Mandalorians that she was able to rally to her cause. She was able to get back the Darksaber and lead Mandalorians to repopulate and relight the Great Forge on Mandalore, repopulate the planet. I mean, in a real way, she kind of was the Mandalorian in this season for sure. So 
Those are some of the things that I found particularly awesome about Mandalorian Season 3, and I'd love to hear what you thought was awesome as well. If you're catching this on YouTube, hey, there's comments right there for you, and if you're catching the audio version, well, you can comment on YouTube as well, or you can head over to the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com and drop a note there as well. I'd love to hear what you think. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.